Hey everybody, really quick before we start the episode, I just wanted to jump in here and say that uh, unfortunately, you know, this is bound to happen. Any, any podcast is inevitable that we're going to have at least one of these. We actually lost the uh, recording for today's episode and fortunately we video all of our podcasts and we were able to at least salvage the episode by taking the audio from the camera and releasing it as our weekly episode. But unfortunately, the the microphones on those cameras are not designed to have good quality. So um, the audio quality is a little rough on this one. So the the episode this week, I think it was very good. Uh, definitely some really interesting stuff in there. But be warned that the audio quality is a little hairy this week. And uh, we'll be back up to our normal quality next episode. Thanks. All right. Do you feel some type <laughs> of way about all? Oh, come on. Come on. I feel some type of way. I told you you were sick. I'm not, I'm not sick. This is the Nostalgia Cast, your weekly roundup of the best and most up to date nostalgic news where we discuss the stories and give your thoughts. I'm your host, who loves butter toast, Andrew Price. It's a little bit of a Cartoon Network deep cut there. I didn't want to do it in the voice because I feel like it might be <laughs> insensitive. Ed from Ed, Ed, and Ed. Uh, You've got your good things, and he's got his, Tyler Palo. He does his best thinking on the bus. That's how come he don't drive. Kelby Joseph, no matter where he goes, there he is. Louis Elvius. And Dad Beats, a.k.a. Kurt Pinchon. All right, everybody. So before we get going, a couple of corrections from last episode. The, the Andrew Dum Dum minute. I mean, come on. Wow. Considering the volume of... How much I talk for two hours. Yeah, the the fact that there are only two corrections <laughs> is astonishing. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I was, I'm just saying stuff. Last episode, I said that the Three Stooges uh, worked for Warner Brothers in the 30s. Uh, that's not true. They uh, they did a bunch of shorts for MGM, and then they worked for many years for Columbia Pictures. The reason why I said Warner Brothers is because I have some Three Stooges short collections that are Warner Brothers branded. But I looked it up and I found out that uh, Warner Brothers just bought their Columbia catalog of shorts and owned them. So that's why the the collections are Warner Brothers uh, branded. I said that the uh, I was kind of blanking on the name, and I was and I said that the name of the other guy who co-created Sherlock and is doing the new Dracula show. I said Michael Gaddis, but his name is Mark Gaddis. And that's it. That's not too bad. Not too bad. bad. Come on. Uh, if, if you notice any factual inaccuracies that I say, feel free to, uh, email us at nostalgiacastpod at gmail.com and air your grievances, and I will maybe give you a shout-out on the podcast whenever I point out what I did wrong. Uh, so, before we get into the stories, I don't have, I don't have a thing to talk about. I don't have, like, a, a, a subject to talk about. So, in place of it, we don't have to spend too long on this. But I'm, I want to do something that I think is going to come as a surprise to all of you. Oh. I'm going to get personally nostalgic for a second here. Okay, King. And I'm going to make this the official nostalgia cast Tyler Palo appreciation episode. I, just, <laughs> I wasn't informed of this, guys. <laughs> I think it's safe to say that both on and off mic, I'm a little hard on Tyler. The, the, there's there's definitely a blurred line of how much of it is a bit and how much of it is genuine, and we've definitely had this dynamic for many years. But you know, I uh, I feel a little bad about it sometimes. Amen. And I'm not saying I will definitely probably call you a piece of shit 
in 30 minutes. Yeah, it's like yeah. in this episode, yeah. Um, but I'm going to tell a little story. I'm going to get a little nostalgic. I'm going to get a little nostalgic. I met Tyler whenever I was maybe 24, 25. He was 17. I was teaching a sketch comedy class at a high school. And uh, I had a, a group of kids. And... We were, I was, I was giving them sort of a, a, a workshop in how to write sketch comedy. And the goal of the workshop was that I would give them this crash course and then we would all write a sketch together and perform it in front of this entire, it was, it was, a, it was an improv festival with, with all of the high schools in town coming, uh, all the drama classes from all the high schools in town coming together for this festival. And I was, I, it was all improv workshops and I was teaching the one sketch comedy workshop. So uh, I came up with this curriculum where I was basically like, "All right, guys, I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you some pointers and talk about like how to write sketches and things like that. And then I just want you guys to write a sketch. And I'm not gonna tell you how to write it. I'm not going to. I will give feedback and I will help out when you ask. But ultimately, like I want you guys to own this. And whatever you do, we're, we're gonna perform. I am not going to censor you in any way. And Tyler was in the class. And, you know, he immediately took charge of the situation. He was, you know, out of every, I mean, there was, there was, the kids in the class were fine. Uh, but Tyler was definitely the standout of like, this kid is smart. This kid is creative. And, you know, he, he sort of took charge as like, quote unquote, kind of the head writer, um, which was not anything that was given to him. It was just, you know, he, he led the charge. And they came up with a sketch that was about fifth graders in an elementary school and it was like an allegory for like the fifth graders were Jews and was it the teachers or was it the sixth graders? The sixth graders. The sixth yeah. graders were Nazis. Yeah. And it was like it was like it was like the dynamic it was like the the like elementary school drama mapped onto like World War Two. And it was about them like staging an uprising in in the school against the Gestapo, and the whole time I was like, oh <laughs> God, like, and I was I told them I was like, no matter what you do, I'm we're I'm not going to censor you. And this whole time I was like, I'm going to get in so much trouble. Like, <laughs> this is the worst possible thing that they could have done. And the, you know the, the the sketch was funny, it was fine, but I was yeah I was like I was like I'm not going to prevent anything from happening, but also. I'm going to get so much hell for this because we're performing this in front of all of these schools. <laughs> um, and I guess that's a little bit of my like rebellious, like I don't like my anti-censorship nature of just like willing to accept the consequences for allowing creativity to flow free with no boundaries. But we did the, we did the sketch and nobody said anything. Uh, nobody's, I, I never got <laughs> reprimanded. Nobody was ever like, that was bad. Uh, they understood my art. Not, not. I mean, it, the, the sketch wasn't like super offensive or anything like that. It was, but I was still just, I was just worried about the subject matter uh, in a high school. Um, yeah, and so we did that, and I don't even know how we kept in contact. It sounds, in retrospect, kind of weird that I was like, yeah. I was like, I was like, I was like, hey, give me your number. Yeah, no, the police. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, but. Uh, I, oh, a, a, a number of the kids from the class were basically, because I, you know, I gave them my background and when I was teaching the class and I was like, yeah, I, I mean, I have a sketch comedy group and I've done this and I've done this and all this stuff. And a bunch of the kids 
in the class, like, followed up with me after the class, and they were like, I want to, like, do stuff with you. Like, could you, like, I'll give you my email, and I want to be a part of your sketch comedy group and things like that. And Tyler was one of them, and uh, he was the only one, really, in the class. There were some nice kids or whatever, but uh, I, I immediately recognized uh, a raw talent in Tyler. And, um, you know, we started emailing, and him and his friends started, like, coming over and becoming, helping out with doing some some of our sketch shows, and eventually became part of my sketch group, and we did a bunch of videos together, and, and you know, we've, we've been friends ever since. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, I, 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 I bag on him a lot, but uh, I love him today. And I got my and I have my job because of him. Pretty good. Yes, everything worked out. Thank you. That made me feel really uh, nice and right. awkward. Well, we are <laughs> collectively going to get them a room at the Motel Six tonight. Whoa! <laughs> wow! <laughs> well, is, yeah, don't make is, it weird. That is the that is the definition of toxic masculinity. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I was vulnerable. <laughs> I made myself yeah. I made yeah. myself vulnerable yeah, man. and you turned it into a yeah. a thing. That's right. Yeah. Toxic in the radius. Toxic. Alright, well that was very sweet. Tyler, uh, Tyler you're appreciating. I do I do appreciate uh, the appreciation, Wait. but it, uh, I do wanna point out that it kind of just sounds like you were praising yourself for understanding that I had now. Oh hundred percent. Mm. Okay. <laughs> so did you know this deep inside Tom? That was, or this, or was this a said Andrews to you? Uh, felt this way. Yeah. Oh, okay. He wow. he 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 conveys. Yeah. Right. And you know what? Let's let's keep this let's keep this train running. Oh Jesus! I was Christ. I was uh, <laughs> I was uh, I I was I, I I felt a little insecure this morning because I was I was running a little late, leaving the house, and I was as I was leaving I was looking for clothes and I did I all of my shirts were wrinkled and I was like I don't have time to iron this. Or throw it in the dryer for a couple minutes or whatever, and so I had to leave the house with a wrinkly shirt, and I was I, I was kind of insecure about it because I knew that somebody's gonna call me out and roast me in the comments about it because they do every time. I've gotten several that people comment in the in the videos being like, "Oh, this fucking slob with his wrinkly shirt, it looked like he just rolled out of bed," um, and so I was feeling a little insecure about it. But you know what? Why, why don't you why don't you quit your job at Home Depot and become the Whoa. head and become the Whoa. head and become the head of content for a company and drive a strategy that is employing fifteen people and paying their salaries and then see if you have time to iron your fucking shirt. What's right. happening? You right could have just told him to pull up. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Listen, if you got a problem with Andrew, pull up. Pull up and you guys can fight. But also don't do that. But also <laughs> But also, three shots before he came in. I realized <laughs> he was drinking a baby's breast milk. What the heck is that? But also, I realized. I mean, I have easy access to that. Um, <laughs> All of this is gonna. None <laughs> of this is going happening? in. Whoa. Whoa! What is going on with this show? I have a three-month-old baby. No, no, Do not feed into this. Yeah. <laughs> I oh, let him finish. I was <laughs> trying to make a joke, but it turned out even worse. Than you do whatever you want. But uh, we don't talk about Watchmen. But in, retro, in reference to those comments, I think I think that Kelby took those comments more personally than even I did. And, and he came to me and he was like, "Listen, like we cannot let these people be in the comments talking about our wrinkly shirts and our and our weak chins yeah, and, our, and, and our and our and and you know what and, and 
he 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 was he took that more personally than I, I did. I think you're feeding Even it. though it was all about me. It was all directed at me. So you know what? I just want to say, Kelby, top ten most handsome guys I've ever met. All top, of them. You're you're all ten of them. Top ten. You're in the top ten. Wow. You're in the top ten. Lewis. You don't talk a lot. That's true. But everything you say is gold. That's true. There is I'm not, not even a joke. There is not a wasted word. There's not a wasted word that comes out of your mouth. You're 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 the Hemingway of our generation. You are sparse and deliberate. <laughs> And everything you say is valuable. He's just like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Andrew, I'm doing something. I appreciate it. I'm going to put that on my resume. I appreciate it. All jokes aside. Okay. Kirk, there you go. He's married. Be careful. You're the dad of the podcast. You're the adult in the room. I'm a dad too, but I'm I'm me. Kirk's the OG. You keep everything together. You keep everything grounded. You keep everything organized. If uh, I, I, if if you weren't around here, it'd probably descend into chaos because I'm a very unorganized person. I have a lot of ideas. I have a lot of vision, but probably wouldn't be able to execute them if I didn't have uh, type A personalities around to make sure that things ran smoothly. You uh, you wanted us to switch places so that, that there wasn't just only black people on one side and only white people on the other side. And I think that's I think that's a very valuable idea. Chris Mint. Hold on a minute. We can cut that part out of the podcast if you don't feel comfortable. But I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You you do you guys remember you you had an issue with the fact that it felt like when the cameras would cut back and forth, it would just be like black people on one oh, side God. and white people on the other side. And that's a that's a that's a valid point. To, I think uh, that was a good idea. To get back on the nostalgic oh, part of this. Uh, do you guys remember when Usher used to act? Like, when he did In the Mix? Because that was a good movie. Word. Yo, can I, can I, can I say something? I took the chin comments kind of as a joke so that I could push the quality of this being. Oh, you wanted, you just wanted different angles. Yeah, I was gotcha. just like, yeah, let's make sure we do the best that we can. And I think you I was, was, I'm trying to. Protect. I think you internalized it a little nah, bit. I Not like you thought they were talking about you, but I think just you didn't want to be associated with, with weak chin, with weak soy boys. Yeah. I mean, you know, we got to look after each other, man. Just like we look at nostalgia things. On this podcast. So I'm, I'm with Kelby. You got your back. Yeah, we got you, man. Ain't nobody pulling up, calling you no chin, exactly, chin, whatever. All right, so that's that. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, so let's 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 uh, let's get to these stories. That was, that was me being nostalgic about my life. Um, <clears throat> so they are um, they're doing a, a reboot Mighty Ducks show for for Disney Plus. Um, oh, I forgot. I was gonna start the whole podcast with just quack. Goddamn. Quack. 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 I don't know what this means. Quack. Quack. I forgot to do it. I, was, I got so lost in my... I was waxing nostalgic and I got lost in it. Um, Quacksing. Quack, yeah. Quacksing. Quacksing. Oh, yeah, Disney Plus has ordered a new series that will reboot the Mighty Ducks. Uh, that's pretty much it. There's no more news on it. No word on casting. There is a premise. Um, the series focuses on a 13-year-old boy when he gets kicked off, of a jun- off the Junior Division Mighty Ducks team. Uh, his mom decides to start their own team, finding players, a coach, and a place to play. 
I would love to see Emilio Estevez. As just the like, mom? Nah, he just like <laughs> pops up somewhere. Oh, yeah, like yeah. he's the maybe the coach or something and he's or he he's a principal of the school. That would be so cool. He just I would lost. love to see Emilio Estevez in general. Yeah. He's awesome. <laughs> love Emilio. Emilio Estevez. Emilio! If you're listening, just come on he, the cast. He just uh starred and wrote and directed a movie. Like this year. Really? What was it? Emilio. <laughs> if you're listening. It was called Emilio. <laughs> I like how you speak your truth. You didn't change your name like your brother and your dad did. Give us Young Gun 3. Oh, yes. Give us Repo Man 2. In fact, that was... Wait, 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 speaking wait, wait, wait. of Emilio, those name call-outs in the beginning, uh, they were all quotes from uh, old art films. I recognized one. Which one? The third one. The third one? Uh, no matter where he goes, there he is. No. Oh, that's uh, that's Hitchhiker. Or no, that's uh, no, that's Buckaroo Banzai. Buckaroo The set. What's uh, the second one? The second one is uh, he does his best thinking on the bus. That's how that, that's how come he don't drive. No, no, no. From Repo Man. Which Repo Man? Is it? Oh, I'm thinking. No, it's not not Repo. The Man. genetic opera. <laughs> not Repo Man and not Repo the genetic opera. Okay. Repo Man is a movie from the '80s starring Emilio yeah. Estevez, where he joins a team of Repo Men, and there's a car that they repossess that has like an alien in the trunk and it's just a really kind of crazy yeah, strange right. art film oh, okay. um and then uh you've got your good things and he's that was things. it yeah what's that one i can't remember <laughs> from racerhead yeah okay yeah david lynch film oh, uh yeah so love a million yeah man uh bill murray is confirmed for ghostbusters 3 uh, hooray, I, hooray. Yeah, we reported on on the fact that they were shooting Ghostbusters three, and that Dan Aykroyd and Sigourney Weaver were confirmed, and they were you know in the middle of shooting. Uh, and we talked about the fact that there was no confirmation on Bill Murray or um, or uh, Dan Aykroyd. No, what was his name? Ernie uh, Hudson. No, the guy that quit acting. Rick Moranis. Oh, Rick Moranis. Yeah, just blank on his name yeah. for some reason. But uh, yeah, no. So, but and I, we talked about the fact that they probably wouldn't be in Wait. it. For, for various reasons, but Bill Murray is in it. He's already, uh, after having been spotted near the set of Ghostbusters 3 and having dinner with Dan Aykroyd and Sigourney Weaver, it's been confirmed that Bill Murray will reprise his role as Peter Bankman in the film. They couldn't joke wait, 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 wait. Uh, Rick Moranis? They couldn't joke. No, because they still need him. Yeah, because uh, Joe Pesci's come back. Take him into an empty house and shoot him in the back of the head. No, because yeah, like, <laughs> you know Joe Pesci retired. Mm-hmm. Acting, but they bring oh, him back, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. for the Irishman. So you know they oh. they like that's the big thing. He's that's coming cool. back. So I, if I was them, I'd be that's the big thing is Joe Pesci's coming back. Yeah, about the, about the Bill Murray thing. I know I shouldn't give a shit, but part didn't he be like I'm not ever <laughs> doing. Didn't he was like, yeah, I'm yeah, never doing yeah, yeah. That's said, what I was wondering. Like, he gave him a check. To the contrary. Like, he once he said, actually didn't want to do it. He once said, nobody wants to pay money to see fat old men chasing ghosts. Which is wrong. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess it's... That's my kink. <laughs> Yo, this guy's on a different level. He is what I want to do. I don't know Yo, what happened. Um, this is Todd's first day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, everybody, uh, everybody watching the video... This I'm trying Todd. to make Todd like me. Todd, Todd shotgunned six episodes of this podcast into his brain in like a day. And I want yeah. What's up? And it couldn't be the worst introduction to a human being <laughs> to just unload their entire uh, very opinionated brain into you over the course of. So I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to win him back over. Well, that's why we made it top five day. Yeah, yeah. Oh, top five. Oh yeah, top five. Uh, top five. Uh, Stephen yeah. D over there. You guys are great. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll see it. 
Of course, because now yeah. that Bill Murray's in it, if he wasn't in it, I probably wouldn't see it. I, mean, I love watching old people trying to do things, so that's just great. Right? <laughs> Dang. What? Do I need to reiterate that old people suck? Like, <gasps> I've constantly <gasps> said it on this you're podcast. Lucky not old Twitter. <laughs> old Twitter? Lucky, they don't know uh, how to use it. They're, they're, of course they're, there's no old yeah, Twitter. It's called Facebook. It's called Facebook. <laughs> there's a certain group of people that Kelby dislikes. Yeah. And there's a certain group of people that Tyler dislikes. Uh, yeah, doctors. I thought it was homeless. <laughs> <laughs> that's, Lewis. What I, that's what I'm saying. Like yeah, yeah. Um, but, but no, like, the idea of Bill Murray reprising the role makes it so much better for me. I, was, I, wasn't, yeah. I wasn't as excited about it because he was the anchor for that entire movie. The first one. Yeah. I, 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 I'm going to be honest with you, I haven't seen Bill's book. You don't see Ghostbuster 2? Nope. Or the girl one? Or yeah. in, in the, the girl uh, one? <laughs> <laughs> or Ghostbusters 2016? I don't know when it came out. The, the female Ghostbusters is great. The second Ghostbusters oh, is boring. I mean, you, it's it's a, it's crazy that you haven't seen it, but it's the Ghostbusters 2 is not good. Okay. It's a it's a bad movie. That's a great theme song by Bobby Brown. Yeah. yeah but, okay. Not shout out Bobby Brown, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Sing it again. That's not the song. Yes, it is. What's the song? It's on our own. What? Yeah. The Bobby Brown song for Ghostbusters 2 is on our own. Sing it. I can't handle the pressure. <laughs> we gotta make it on our own. Oh. Well, I guess we're gonna. I'm into it. Have to take control. Gotta, gotta, gotta take control. Gotta, gotta, gotta take control. I'm thinking of a song from the first one. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Okay. Ghostbusters 3. Yeah, I mean, I want to see this. Definitely. Would you have seen it without Bill Murray? Yeah, probably. I've never seen it. I'll say anything Ghostbusters. I'm a huge That's true. That's very true. Do we know who's directing it again? Sorry. Uh, D- Jason Reitman, okay. Ivan Reitman's son. Oh yeah, that's what. Okay. Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones may return for Men in Black Five. Didn't uh, Men in Black International do horrible? Yeah. Did it? Was it what I don't No, nah, um, they put uh, Thor and uh, uh, Tessa Thompson. Tessa Thompson and, but, yeah. and Tessa. Uh, who's who's the other? Emma Thompson. She was in. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've seen that. Really? They're gonna do better. Think they're really yeah, but I. Willard I think I'll, I'll be cool with him because he's already doing doing Men in Black three, and uh, wait, wait, wait! I kind of feel Thor, like that. Thor three, right? No, 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 no! I'm what? talking about Will. Will, oh, you mean you mean uh, Bad Boys three? I'm sorry, yes, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, like yes, he, he did Boys do Men in Black three. He's doing he's doing uh he's doing kind of like another throwback, another yeah. throwback. So I, I kind of feel like they could just take a break on. On the wheel throwback. Yeah, it's crazy that that YouTuber well, Will, is doing so many videos now. Will Smith is in the mode of like, oh fuck, like I've not been in a good movie in like ten years. No, that's true. Nostalgia. Brian makes... was so good. Focus. Oh, focus. Focus. focus is good. Focus is really good actually. Yeah, focus. 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 Oh, what with Margot Robbie. No, that's, no, focus that's, is he's a con man. He's a con man. Uh, with Margot Robbie. Oh, oh. Yeah, that's oh. a good. It's great. Movie. It's so good. Yeah. The end. The ending was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Sony is looking to recover after the previous Men in Black film, Men in Black International, starring Chris Hemsworth and T- Tessa Thompson, underperformed, earning $250 million globally on a $110 million budget. Uh, 
Sony is considering bring, bringing Will Smith and Tommy Lee <laughs> back to start a new MIB film where they team up with Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson's oh. characters. Uh, they're also eyeing Barry Sonnenfeld, the director of the original three movies, to return. I think the, uh, we'll, we'll get into this when we talk about the Terminator, but I think with a lot of these movies, the, the, the reason why they fail is because it's not because of who's in them or even like the quality of the movie. It's just like that they just don't know what was appealing about the originals. And there's a certain style to the original. Now, there's a certain style, especially to these more like action style movies. There's a certain style that's very. Um, saturated today. Like you can see certain sequences just in this movie, in the next movie, in three movies from now. You can probably find the same action sequences in in maybe uh, Men in Black and then in Terminator and then in Rambo. It, like It's like done the same way. Well, two, two things. Two things in the lineage of that. Michael Bay <coughs> created that dynamic because so much so to the fact, what you're saying, so much so to the fact that he reuses footage. Like, there's footage that he's shot that he has used in in the Transformers movie. He's reused it in the island. He's reused the same footage in later Transformers movies. Like, he reused footage from Transformers 1 and Transformers 2. With like, uh, like, like drone footage? Or? Like, just footage, like, there's footage of, like, a camera, like, uh, you know, um, like aerial footage of like a, a freeway with cars crashing and things like that. And then in, in one movie, it's showing like Optimus Prime running along the freeway. And then he used the same footage again in a different movie. But instead of showing Optimus Prime, because obviously that's like CGI, he shows like a spaceship flying through in the island. Like, like just reusing, uh, basically like having an inventory of set piece footage. And then just being like, oh, we can just use this again. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah, and and the one thing I will agree with uh, with uh, old Marty Scorsese on is uh, the MCU movies. They have popularized this idea of a styleless <laughs> house style um, of just like all of the all the Marvel movies are purposely created without a style. Like, there's no, and that's the reason why um, Edgar Wright um, was originally um, writing and directing Ant-Man, and then he ended up parting ways with Marvel over creative differences. He was working on it since, like, 2011, and he left in 20, whatever, whenever that movie was in production. I forget when it came out, but he left over creative differences, and so Peyton Reed took over directing, and if you watch Ant-Man, a lot of the movie... Like, you can see little traces of, like, oh, yeah, that's Edgar Wright. Like, he, this is his style. But it's, like, it's been so sort of, like, homogenized. And, you know, he left because he wanted to make it an Edgar Wright movie. He wanted because Edgar Wright has has uh, such a style. His, his movies are so definitively his, um, which goes back to that bizarre argument we had last episode of, like, when you, when you are a fan of somebody and you come to expect a certain thing from them and then you get excited about things that they come out with after the fact because you're like, oh, I like that person and I like what they do. Edgar Wright has such a style. And he left because they didn't want an Edgar Wright movie. They wanted a Marvel movie. And Marvel movies are just like, they they, they are devoid of a style. They, they've created this sort of generic 
style of cinematography and the way that things and how set pieces are staged. And they, they adapt that across all of their movies so that all of their movies have this cohesive, accessible feel to them. So they all feel like they're part of one universe. And in, in doing that, they are they take these movies and they take the director and they sort of don't allow them to um, uh, leave their stamp or their trademark on it. Can I ask just one question? Then? Yeah. Do you feel that Captain America 1 is probably the only one that is stylistic, or maybe Thor 1? That's what I was going to say. Thor yeah, well, Thor, or... yeah, that was before they had really developed this, before they were really in full swing of, like, this is a universe and we're adapting these <laughs> house-style rules and things like that. Thor 1, directed by Kenneth Branagh, mm-hmm. and he shot it like an he wanted to shoot it like a like a like a Shakespearean epic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that movie has that feel to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, Captain America: The First Avenger was directed by Joe Johnston, who directed The Rocketeer. And I'm assuming they hired him because they were like, "You made this movie that's such a perfect pastiche of the 1940s." Mm-hmm. Um, and so that movie has that feel. Mm-hmm. It's shot like a 1940s, like uh, propaganda movie. Yeah, um, with the like wide shots. And yeah, very still. Yeah, like uh, and, and and but since then they've heavily moved away from that, and, and even Thor Ragnarok, which has like Taika Waititi's like comedic his tonal style very definitively, even that movie just visually in terms of how it's shot and constructed, it's still just kind of generic. So yeah, you're I I I think you're right. I think uh, I I I think with these movies, it's like. It doesn't like you could put anybody in the movie and it doesn't matter because it's the same movie. Yeah, it's the same movie and you lost what was appealing about the original movie. Because those original those men in black movies, they were kind of weird and strange. They were kind of idiosyncratic. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is probably why they're trying to bring back Barry Sonnenfeld, because maybe they are learning from that and being like, How about we bring back this guy and let him put his flair on it? Mm-hmm. Last week we talked about uh, rebooting the alphabet song. And I thought that that was the furthest we could go. <laughs> um, but they're, rebo- they're rebooting a person. Yeah. Uh, there, is, there is going to be a movie starring James Dean. Okay. A movie is being produced, and they are going to digitally recreate James Dean as the main character in the movie. I'm with that. Why? Because it's, they put they they took Tupac and put him on tour. I thought Hollywood, he was just at I thought he was just at um Coachella that one year. Yeah, he did other shows. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh shit. But, so I as, I liked it. That's cool. As somebody who has many conflicting feelings about this, and definitely went and saw the the tour. Of the Roy Orbison and Buddy Holly holograms. Oh, you did? Yes. Mm. But felt very strange about it and didn't know what his feelings were about it. The prospect of seeing a dead celebrity recreated and brought back to life and in a movie like this is being this is being marketed as his fourth movie that he never got to make. That's bullshit. Um, as as yeah. cool as the concept of that is in the abstract 
in reality and practicality, this is just so disrespectful and creepy. Don't you have, um, can you read the, the log line? Do you have the log line about what it's about? Because I, I want to make sure I'm not going insane. Yeah, uh, let's see. De- Dean will po- posthumously star in Finding Jack. The, oh, the, yeah, you're right. Yeah. The movie is weird. Yeah. It's the weirdest possible movie. It's like, hey, let's resurrect James Dean to be in Mar- Marley and Me. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. The, well, mo- the movie directed by Anton Ernst and Tati Golik has a- obtained the rights to use the actor's image from his family to create a realistic version of James Dean based on the Gareth uh, Crocker novel of the same name. Finding Jack tells the story of the abandonment of over 10,000 military dogs at the end of the Vietnam War. That, I just don't understand why. Why yeah. does it have to be him? There's zero and, need. Well, for, yeah, like, uh, for obviously for marketing. Like, yeah, right. Like, but like, okay, so you say that better... it's super disrespectful, and I agree with you on that point. But how do we feel about them putting um, Princess Leia into into the new one? Because well, that's kind of the same thing. It's, she not film? it's a little... Yeah, they, they have not the newest one. She they yeah. had to, they had to finish her out in the last one, and now they're 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 reintroducing oh. her. They're re, they're re-uploading her into this new. Movie. No, 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 okay, no, 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 no. They I have act? they have they shot footage for this movie with her. Can I ask? They, they drastically reduced the scope of her role. She was supposed to be like, I just actually read this yesterday. Originally, the Last Jedi, Leia was supposed to be the Last Jedi, and she was going to have a much larger role in this one. And they had to reduce her to having eight minutes of screen time in the whole movie. Wait, so is this new one? So they're just giving her a send-off. Oh, okay. But they, they might use some CGI, but ultimately they do have things that they shot. Okay, okay I, need I, to, I need to understand. They're using his image. So they're, they're taking his image and they're kind of recreating it. Almost like algorithmically, right? Like how, he, how his face would move, they're putting it on. Yeah, common. Like, what like, about yeah. his voice? Like, is it kind of like Siri where it has a voice and whatever you tell it to say, it can say it? Or it, it do they need to bring in a voice actor who's going to yeah. redo the that voice? That was my question. It's probably some combination of it. They're probably going to reuse archival it, recordings and then get an impressionist and then maybe... I mean, you saw that fucking thing that happened years ago that happened and it was like crazy and then we never heard of it again. Probably because somebody somewhere was like... This can't exist. But that thing, the, the, there was like the Adobe conference, and Jordan Peele was there, and they showed him this new product where you could basically take a recording of somebody saying like a couple words, and then you could ingest that into the program, and then you could basically make them say whatever you wanted them yeah. to say. And they had they took like clips from Key and Peele, and they like changed what uh, Key and Michael Key was saying. They just edited what he was saying, mm-hmm. and it was like literally a tool that Adobe was like working on, where you could yeah. go in and you could type words, and you could change the recording and change what was being said by the person. They did. That. I get that. Yeah, they did the same thing with uh, with uh, with, uh, with Obama. Oh, with Obama yeah, the Obama. They did. They did a deep fake of Obama, and and, and Peel was mm-hmm. just like he does the perfect Obama, and it looked exactly like Obama was saying. So when this movie comes out, do you think it's gonna be Will Smith Gemini Man bad as far as the visual aspect of it? Because if they couldn't do it with Ang Lee, uh, what do you mean the visual aspect? You mean the the the? Because you know how the, the like, youngifying of yeah. Because 
Will Smith said that in Gemini Man, he never, like, he never acted on the opposite side. Really? It's, it's all completely CGI. So, but, and everyone who I've talked to, I mean, I'm the odd man out because I thought it looked pretty good, but uh, everyone said that that visually looks bad. So I'm trying to cross it together to say, well, will the technology be there to make this movie a thing? I mean, it, the, this technology has been used um, in certain things in the last 10 years. Uh, I think the, the the first thing I ever saw of this the aging technology was Brad Pitt in uh, Benjamin Button. Oh. Whenever they did at the end of the movie, they had young, like early twenties Brad Pitt, and it didn't look good. For the time, it looked amazing because it yeah. was just the concept of like, holy fuck, you you just took Brad Pitt and made him look young, but it looks like shit. Right. And then they did it in, um, well the well the real first one was Forrest Gump. Which was they were they they basically took footage of uh, of John F. Kennedy and other like random historical figures and they CGI their face to say things yeah. and it looked bad and then Benjamin Button really? was like a genuine de aging of an actor mm. and then they did the same thing in Tron Legacy where they de aged um, Jeff Bridges and that one worked a little bit more because he was supposed to be a video game character so you kind of was like oh maybe the video game character looks like a video game. But if you were trying to take it on its face value, it looked sh- like shit. And they just did that to Samuel L. Yeah, and then they did it. They did it in uh, in in Captain Marvel with Samuel L. Jackson. They did it in The Irishman as de aging. What? Yeah. Um, oh, for De Niro. They uh, yeah. they did it in in Rogue One. They de they de aged uh, Princess Leia to be young Princess Leia. Uh, and uh, what I feel they, oh, like they, they did it in Terminator. We'll talk about. Well, it yeah, they did. So, and then they, and then also in Rogue One, uh, they they actually did a small version of this in in Rogue One. They they brought they digitally recreated Peter Cushing to reprise his role as Grand Moff Tarkin in Rogue One. So they took an actor, and they had him do this small sequence with Grand Moff Tarkin, and then they digitally added Peter Cushing's face to him. There was an uprise about that one, wasn't there? Yeah, people. Were, I mean, it's, people were freaking out about it because it, I mean, it's it's taking a dead person and like bringing them back to life. It's just it's very exploitative, and this is yeah. just a feature length. Yeah. So I guess to answer your question, there is some of that stuff has looked better than other stuff. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, none of it has really pushed past the uncanny valley. It always just kind of looks like, oh, like that just kind of looks creepy. I think this is gonna be very creepy. I can't imagine it doing well, even if it's amazingly done, because the the story itself is a very niche story. And also, James Dean is... The people who are James Dean fans are way old. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was, like, way even before my time. No, but the thing is, he had... It's kind of like... He's been Maryland, dead for 65 years. He yeah. has that Marilyn Monroe effect where some young people will take the image and yeah. kind of put, you know, he's a poster, he means something. Yeah. To, like, I don't want to call it hipsters, but... No, it is. I mean, like... That yeah, is crazy, yeah, though. Yeah. That is crazy. You know, they, they say, like, um, uh, uh, well, the, the, the saying is a man, but I'll say a person. A person dies twice when they die and when people forget about them. Right. It is crazy. He died when he was 24 years old. Yeah. Very young. Yeah. He was only in three movies. Yeah. And we still know it. I mean, the three great movies. But it's also just like, it's just, 
I don't think there's a huge demand for a James Dean. Exactly. There's there's a demand for like his legend, and there's a demand for his aura, but that's different than going. Oh my God, I want to see James Dean in a new movie. They should just make a movie about James. That's what I was wondering. Yeah. Would it be more disrespectful? Yeah, like, would it be more disrespectful to do a biopic with him recreated? There's been, like, oh. Ooh. You know what I mean? As himself, playing himself. You know Dang, I mean? that's kind of good. I'm signing off. It's, like, such a slippery slope, though. That's actually what I, I've thought about with uh, some of, like, deep faking is, is getting really popular. It was, deep faking, when it first started, it became this huge thing because people were using it to, like, put celebrities' faces on porn. Right. And then that whole, that whole thing happened and kind of died out and got very regulated and like there was a big subreddit that got deleted and stuff and now deep faking has said like a sort of a second comeback is just like let's take movie clips and just put a different actor's face on the movie clip so like jim carrey as jack torrance in so the shining and things like that and a lot of people are doing things where they get an impressionist and they shoot something and then they deep fake their face and those are kind of cool and interesting because it's like it's a really good impressionist the, the, the effect is almost perfect because it just looks like them and it sounds like them. But it's such a slippery slope and I wonder what those impressionists think and feel when they do that. Because I, if I was an impressionist and my whole job or my whole livelihood was that I could um, emulate effectively someone. emulate somebody and then I had some, some like fucking nerd video editor guy being like, oh, we're just going to put his face on your face. I'd get scared. I'd be like, fuck, like, this is like a year away from, like, I'm, I become an obsolete nah, component of this. That's why they say, uh, you know, these guys are doing live shows, you can't bring your phone and stuff like that anymore. Yeah. So there's a slip, there's definitely a slippery slope of, like, we make a, we make a James Dean biopic where we just recreate James Dean instead of getting an actor to portray him. And I, you know, as an, as an actor, I, I get kind of scared by that prospect of, like, what's, you know, where, where does it end? That was funny because years ago, like, so far ago that technology was nowhere near being able... I mean, it was back in the days when he had, was doing episode one and stuff. Back in, like, the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, George Lucas famously or infamously said, I want to one day make a new Humphrey Bogart movie. And I want to digitally recreate Humphrey, Humphrey Bogart. And everybody freaked out about that. There was a huge backlash to it. And, and George Lucas was like, never mind. <laughs> uh, and now it's happening. Yeah. He predicted it. When does the uh, James Dean movie come out? Uh, it's there's no release date. But also, that premise sounds really cool. It sounds like a really good movie, and it doesn't sound like Marley and Me because that's it's really interesting. Yeah, it sounds like an interesting movie. Just get a get an actor to do it. Use the make other James Dean to do it. <laughs> no, they can't. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not his. That's not his medium. You listen to this. Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> what? Yeah. Look it up. Before oh, the, oh, the, after. Yeah, the the the, like, the porn guy. Yeah. Really? Yeah. He did a Lindsay Lohan movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The it was a Paul Schaefer movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, is it? The guy, the guy who wrote Taxi Driver. I know what? who killed me or something like that. Whatever it is. No, he was in it. It wasn't. It wasn't. I know who killed me. It was called. I forget what it was called. But it, yeah, it was. It was a movie. It was like an independent film that mm-hmm. Paul Schaefer wrote and directed, mm-hmm. and it had Lindsay Lohan and James Dean in it. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it, but he's a good actor. <laughs> moving right along. Yeah. Uh, moving right along. We're fun and fancy free. Cause we're moving right along. I love the movie. I know. 
Uh, what here? What is uh, it, Sorry. Listen to this bullshit press release. Uh, <laughs> the, the, this is the director. Uh, we search high low for the perfect character to portray the role of Rogan, which has has some extreme complex character arcs. And after months of research, we decided on James Dean. We feel very honored that his family supports us and will take every precaution to ensure that his legacy as one of the most epic film stars to date is kept firmly intact. The family views this as his fourth movie, a movie he never got to make. We do not intend to let his fans down. Such spin. Yeah. This yeah. person is acting like, as if somehow their mind abstracted to the point of like, <laughs> we need the perfect person to portray yeah. this role. And they search high and low and yeah. they could not find a living person. And then, and then, but then they, tr their mind transcended the boundaries of looking for a person who was alive. And they said, what if, Yeah. what if it was James Dean? Such when in reality, exactly what's going on here, if you read between the lines, is that these guys are just fucking master schemers that realize this is going to be the biggest marketing thing we could possibly yes. do. Like, yeah. our movie is guaranteed to be famous. Yeah. It'll get talked about. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Oh, get talked about right now. Uh, one thing that does feel odd is that you say he's been dead for 65 years. Oh, yeah. His family members don't know him. That's uh, that's a bigger thing. Yeah, it's like, which family members are signing off on this? The ones that... the ones that, Yeah, like, the ones that don't know him and they're just like... You they mean want I, more you money. Mean I get money? money? Yeah, like, oh, yeah. Um, if you if you go to uh, if you drive if you drive uh, if you drive south on the ninety nine from Southern Cal or no if you drive north on the ninety nine from Southern California to Northern California you'll drive through a little area called Lost Hills and there's a little gas station uh, with a little like fifties diner inside of it that's like been preserved and it was the last place that James Dean stopped before he died. Is there a big, wow. like, cardboard cutout of James Dean outside? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I've been there. Wow, that's cool. Uh, they are doing a gender swapped Zorro reboot. Here for it. Oh, uh, yeah. wait, and Antonio? Gender swapped. Doesn't mean he can't be in there. <laughs> what? Uh, no, it's a TV show. Oh. Anto Antonio is not a television actor. He no, he's, he no, he, he is he not. Wouldn't, he wouldn't step foot on a TV he's, set. He's never done? Okay. Um... He's never done TV at all. Uh, I feel like he is. I don't. I haven't seen him on TV. I don't, I don't know. Not a, not like a regular show. What was the last thing he was in? Because the last thing I can he's think in, of him in um, was Automata, and that's I I can't, I can't even remember. He's what in the movie right now with Steve by Steven Soderbergh, uh, with uh, oh yeah yeah Gary Oldman. I can't remember the name, and I watched the freaking movie with Meryl Streep. Yes, it's kind of like a random cast. Yeah yeah. Hmm. I really like him. Antonio well, Banderas? Yeah. Well, he's not yeah, a he's not he's a great name. Uh, Zorro Television Show is in development for NBC uh, with a female Zorro, developed by Alfredo Barrios Jr., who did the Magnum PI reboot. Uh, the the reimagined Zorro will reportedly swap the titular hero with a female protagonist rather than the typically mustachioed man the swordsman is usually depicted as. Written and executive produced by Barrios Jr. The series is described as a modern-day retelling of classic Zorro mythology. The story will follow Z, a female descendant of the warrior bloodline, who will go to great lengths to protect the defenseless in her community. It wasn't Zorro his last Wait, name? Why are you not watching it? It didn't sound super interesting to me. Did you like the original Zorro at all? Say it again? Do you like the original Zorro? I saw it, but I was just like, eh. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
That's fine. Yeah. This well, that, sounds very interesting. That's not yeah. the original Zorro, Tyler. The original. And Antonio Banderas Listen, movies are not Listen, anything older than that is just fucking old, and I'm not going to go back and watch it. It still counts as nostalgia. Though. The ori- it's right? the better one, I'll tell you that much. No, it's not. It, 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 the, almost absolutely sure it is. No. The, the, Can we get a poll the on Zorro, The Zorro movies from the 50s and 60s are yeah. amazing. They're pretty good. Can I ask you guys this? They're doing... It, it feels like right now there's a lot of like female action superheroes. Um, does it? Do you feel like it's been... Pound for pound, with the like, like I guess I could put it like this: uh, Hercules versus Zena. Zena. That's kind of what it feels like right now, where Except the women are taking over, and it's it's feeling pretty good. Well, let me just say this: I don't. Uh, I loved Hercules and Zena Warrior Princess. Zena Warrior Princess was a way better show. A million times better. Yeah. Yeah. It. It was. It was a lot better, and and I don't think Hercules was that good. I mean, I love Hercules. But I, it just takes me back to uh, um, the girl who she's in. Uh, she's in Avengers. She plays Captain Captain Marvel. No, she, uh, Black Widow. Saldana, Zoe Saldana. Oh, okay. And she did a movie. I think it was maybe in like 2013 or 2014. 20, something something around that time. And ever since that movie, where she's a uh, Colombiana. Colombiana. Ever since then, I've been seeing so many, you know, female action stars. It's pretty dope. Yeah, there's a lot of that. I mean, it's basically like, uh, what was it? The the the, um, the Charlize Theron one. Atomic Blonde. Um, Atomic Blonde. Oh, it was like it was literally like let's do uh, female John Wick, and they did that, mm. and then now that's become its own like subgenre. Like there's, there's like a there's, there's a, a new one that that is uh, that is from Luc Besson that I forget. Um, Charlize Theron with. Um, it's like they took Atomic Blonde and uh, two other films and they put them all together. And it looks amazing. Yeah. And then, yeah. But yeah, it's like, it's like become a, a subgenre. Yeah. Red Sparrow or whatever that one with Jennifer Lawrence was. Um, a couple of quick stories to get through. Uh, we're going to take a break in a couple minutes and we're not going to spend as long as, on these as I planned. But uh, uh, There's, uh, Sc- Scream 5 is in development. Uh, Scream 5 has officially been confirmed to be in works at Spyglass Media Group. As of now, they can't confirm whether it will be a remake, reboot, or sequel. Hmm. Um, Scream, uh... Well, it says 5 on it. <laughs> How's it going to be a remake? Well, that's just a, that's just like a working title. Working oh, title. Okay, it doesn't okay. necessarily... Like... Is Scream a parody? They're parody movies. Yeah, they oh, are. Oh, oh I'm okay. sorry. Okay, my bad. I was thinking about... No, Scream is the real one. Scary, no. scary movies, the parody. No, that's the whole thing. The reason why everybody thought that Scary Movie was so dumb oh. was because Scream is already a parody of horror movies. Oh. And then it was just I'm made no sense dumb. to make a parody of a parody. Scream was—I mean, it wasn't a parody. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't like a, a parody to the level that Scary Movie was. But Scream was written and designed to deconstruct horror movie tropes, and it was a parody of. Of horror movie tropes. Oh, yeah. Very good movies. Uh, so really quick, so the, uh, the there's been a Spawn reboot in the works for a couple of years. Uh, it's Todd McFarlane, who's the creator of Spawn, owner of uh, Todd McFarlane Productions, and uh, co co owner of Image Comics, uh, where Spawn is published. Um, he has been uh, in development with of a Spawn reboot with Bloomhouse um, for years, but the, per, the 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 production basically stalled. 
because they're, they were having trouble finding a budget because Todd McFarlane has a very sort of strict vision for what he wants to do with it. He wants it to be a hard R, dark uh, superhero movie. And Did they, he do the first one? No. He was involved with it, but no. Uh, and and he, uh, he, he has a very specific vision and he's unrelenting. And so they've been having trouble finding a, a budget. But uh, and so the, the project the project has basically been stalled for a year, and it was looking like it was not going to happen. But with the recent success of Joker, which is a hard R superhero movie that has made almost a billion dollars worldwide at this point, mm-hmm. uh, people are suddenly calling Todd McFarlane about Spawn. So there's a there is a uh, a possibility that we are going to get this Spawn movie. They should have after all. After is there yeah? Is there any is there any word on anything else like anybody playing? You'd anything? think that, but here let me really quick. I'll say this and we'll wrap this up okay. to, and take a break. You'd think that, but Hollywood executives are so afraid of getting fired that it takes so many times to drill something into their head. And I'll give a I'll give a personal anecdote to explain that. After. Right on the heels of the major success of Wonder Woman, this movie came out. It was huge success. It made a ton of money, and it was like this huge case study that you could have a big female-helmed uh, tentpole superhero action movie, and it would be financially successful. And literally, week only weeks after this happened, this zeitgeisty thing happened, I was pitching a movie, and I was told that I had to change it from a female lead to a male, because female lead movies are not marketable. Weeks after this. Yeah, you know. And I was just like, what are you talking about? Like, we, this is, I thought was this was action? Yeah. I thought this would be the best time to pitch this. Yeah. I mean, and they we still, just talked about and they, st- and they yeah. still are just so scared of taking risks in that way. Yeah. So it really takes like a multiple things to really hammer it into people's minds. Yeah. Some of us uh, care about the magic of Christmas. <laughs> and some of us saw the, uh, the Tim Miller directed one, two, three, four, five. Five, six installment of the Terminator franchise, Terminator Dark Fate. Who, who all saw it? I saw it. Mm-hmm. Hard pass. I didn't. I'm going to see it. Yeah, hard, I'm hard pass. What is that? That, that, yeah. that doesn't Isn't help too us. Late now? I didn't see it, but I'm definitely going to have opinions on it. <laughs> so we're going we're gonna to talk about it. I, I, I saw it with my friend Dave. Uh, we definitely talked about it a lot. Our friend Dave. We... we uh, he doesn't see it that way. <laughs> uh, we we ate it. We went to ArcLight Hollywood. We saw the movie. We ate at Veggie Grill right outside of the theater. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, we, uh, we discussed the movie, and we sat next to a very crazy, mentally ill person who had us on, on edge the entire time because they, he kept just pacing around and yelling at us. Uh, and yet we still were able to discuss the film. Uh, what did you guys think? Kelvin and Lewis, you guys saw it. You saw it first, Lee. You want to go? No, go. All right, go ahead. I thought it was a cool movie. Um, wait, 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 wait. Better or worse than Rambo? 
Because you love Rambo. Yeah, you I love Rambo. Rambo. <laughs> <laughs> I like what it is. But, let me see. Damn. Um, I like this one better than Rambo. Yeah. I like okay. better than Rambo. But, um, I mean, it was cool to see Arnold, man. He was, I, like, with the deep, like, was that deep fake or was that a different actor? At the very top? Like, the young, the young version of him. At the very top, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, no, I had the I had the same thought. No, that, I, I thought, thought it was a different person. That, that whole like. no, that whole thing. It's exactly what we we're talking about with the James Dean movie. Oh, they right. de they de aged, they de aged Linda Hamilton and Arnold Schwarzenegger, and they put Edward Furlong's face on a kid. Hmm. I didn't hate it like the way it looked. It looked so real to yeah, me. Yeah, I thought it was like a younger like a younger actor who looked like. Him. I thought it looked pretty bad. I thought it was old. I thought age. it was. I thought it was definitely worse than Grand Moff Tarkin and Princess Leia in Rogue One. Oh, damn! You I thought it was, I thought I, it was a step back technologically from what they did in that movie. Wait, yeah, I was like, what? Wasn't Grand Moff Tarkin like really good? And and didn't he look really there? He looked pretty good. Yeah, yeah that's what I mean. It's like it, the the way he's, it made it sound like it was like way way bad. No, I, I, I no, I'm saying that. It was pretty good in those, despite the ethical gotcha. the ethical issues with doing this. Okay. I, those were pretty good. The the, the Princess Leia one. I, the issue, the thing with these is like it looks better in dark lighting, and when you get really bright, it makes it look worse. And so Princess Leia was her little brief cameo at the end was in like a very well lit room, so you can kind of see the flaws of the the effect. But uh, Peter Cushing, his whole scene took place in a dark little uh, command room in the ship in the, on the Death Star, and so the the, the effect was much more effective. Uh, in this, they're out in like the on the beach in the sun, and yeah. I definitely think that it looked like a PlayStation Three game. Oh, really? Wow. I thought it looked kind of real. Yeah, me but, too. Yeah. What it is, I think it's a cool movie. But I thought about one thing while I was watching. Are we doing spoilers? Yeah. yeah. Spoiler alert. Maybe heavy, heavy spoilers Spoiler for the shit Terminator Dark Fate. Yeah. There's like a line where um, he's talking about how you raised the kid. And then um, he did say something about like he would never be able to love like a human would. Mm -hmm. That made me think of what Andrew was saying about like augmented reality or artificial intelligence. Yeah. Something yeah. about how to... Like basically me and Andrew spoke about um, would we let or kill in like an artificial right. human like Conscious life that's created by man, uh -huh. and that, and as soon as he said that, I was like, all right, that's why we got to get rid of him, because yeah. he could never like we could create to like our best <laughs> ability of like you know a robotic human or something, mm -hmm. but they would never like would they ever really be able to feel like we do, or would they just have an idea of uh, things like chemicals in our body and match it? Does it matter? But the, the thing is that I think the, it doesn't matter. Why? Oh, okay. the no, thing no, is that no, the, no, uh, no. the the T eight hundred, um, the the T eight hundred is the metal exoskeleton robot and the girl under the skin and the the terminator with the the, the exoskeleton and then the, and then the uh, flesh is a t101 and they were created as they weren't created by people they were created by a sentient the t101 uh, in terminator which which one Arnold Schwarzenegger is a T101. No, Arnold Schwarzenegger is a T800. No, the skeleton is a T800. The, the full, complete Terminator with the skeleton with the flesh over it is a T101. It's like a T, the T800 is a part of a other thing. It's 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 the it's the model number for the skeleton, the the robot, and then the full package of the 
Terminator with the skin is a T101. What's the music? He's a he's Rev Nine, but it's a different like that's the whole thing is it's a different timeline. Arnold Schwarzenegger, the Terminator, is from a timeline where Skynet, which was like Mm -hmm. a military defense artificial intelligence, becomes sentient and creates this race of robots that destroy humanity. But they prevented that from happening, and then a different alternate timeline of a some kind of uh, sentient artificial intelligence happens. And this one was called Legion, and then the robot that the uh, um, the bad guy was um, called a Rev Nine. I say it's a Netflix and chill movie. Yeah, it's just like a put it on. But what I was saying is it was the 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 T one hundred one or the T eight hundred. The Terminator was cr- not created by people with the intention of being human or having human emotions. It was created by a sentient algorithm um, to, number one, just be a killing machine, and number two, successfully infiltrate and emulate being a human um, to get to basically get inside of of uh, underground human. Um, uh, Revolution. Re- the, the, get get inside of their ranks and destroy them from within. Uh, so so it wasn't they weren't designed to be able to love or whatever. Uh, so I would argue that it's kind of different because they were not created with that intention. I don't know. I still this, trust. This is what I'm gonna say. Go ahead. But on that point, I didn't watch the movie. Oh, sorry, I didn't watch the movie. Uh, but I would say that that was the biggest. That was the biggest thing for him being able to love this kid this, the way that he should he should noticing that you're not able to give somebody the love they deserve is kind of the most loving thing right like and i think that's what they wanted to convey with that not having seen the movie mm-hmm. just the theme lou drew before i kill this movie <laughs> i'm gonna say i'm gonna say i enjoyed it i enjoyed all 120 minutes well, let me just let me just quickly say this because just to because it so far just in talking to Lewis, you might think that I liked the movie. I didn't like the movie, mm. so just go on. But I just wanted to establish I didn't like the movie. So I'm gonna give it a compliment sandwich. The first thing I'm gonna say is the guy who played the new Terminator, he's a nice little actor. He's a nice little actor. He hit the little, little actor. Like, wow, well, come on. Oh, yeah. But he hit the accents right here. Hey there, Jim. Yeah, Gabriel Luna. Gabriel, when he was like, hey there, Jim. Pretty crazy going on there. And then two minutes later, he was like, police force here. We're going to change things up. And I was like, look at this guy. He he was a good, solid actor for somebody who had, like, a very not fleshed out character. Mm -hmm. Is he He the Rev 9? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He was just kind of like a good robot. He was very good. Yeah, I mean, he's like he's like the T-1000. He's just a killing machine that, by design, doesn't have a personality, and the only personality that they have is just emulating people to mm-hmm. trick other people into thinking that they're a person. Right. So he had a, he had a task. Like a doppelganger. He had a task, and he did it well. Mm-hmm. I liked the way it was shot, but it, again, it goes back to it being that same kind of... I saw this in Rambo. They had this, the the drone shots with the cars that, and they have the same. You, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, when they, I mean hundred. It's that the, sound that they do, 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 do. Cars are driving by the drone shot. It's the same thing over and over and over. But they did it fine. 
the movie lulled me into a false sense of security in the beginning that it was going to be kind of visually interesting and the fight sequences weren't just going to be cut scenes from a PlayStation 4 game. Um, that first fight, that first fight sequence was really cool and interesting. The police one? The, yeah, the one, yeah, when they're on the freeway. That was really, oh, 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 oh. that was really cool and visually interesting and it wasn't just like random uh, action set piece chaos. Um, <laughs> and then it just went downhill from there. And to the point where that final like third act sequence of them on the dam was just like I don't even know what the fuck is going on here. There's no, oh, there's no, I'm about to kill it. there's no stakes <laughs> to this. All it is is just people flying around and like what is happening. And there's no stakes to it. It's like the outcome of it is like there's no tension to it. You know that this is just going to end with them escaping. You can just cut this out and just get it and move past it. All right. This movie's trash. Okay. Okay? I'm going to explain why. The first thing I have a problem with is Arnold Schwarzenegger can't die, sort of. So he sends a text message to a human woman that's always drunk to handle his business for him. Yeah, I mean... The... What are you doing? Oh, wait, okay, so he... He tells... Uh... Linda you have Carter. to watch the Linda movie. Linda, no, Lim, Linda, gets, Lin, <laughs> Linda gets a text message every uh, two years. I say, all right, go fight these robots, human. Yeah, and he's sitting in a cabin. What kind of man? Well, he's not a man. Um, That's worse. <laughs> I found a woman who was, has a son, and I realized the value of human life. And then I became a drape salesman named Carl, and I lived my life in the cabin. What's wrong with that? And I that have makes a son named... no sense. <laughs> well, essentially, what he said was, "Yo, I'm happy with my life now. I got a girl. I got a son. But you over there, can you go fight nah, these nah, robots? Nah, 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 can you go do it for me?" Low key, go listen. He gave her purpose. After she lost her son, he was like, yo, listen, you're not going to do nothing with your life. You're probably going to be depressed and You can't help I'm going to help you by giving you coordinates for these Terminators so you can kill them. Oh, I so understand. In, in no way ever did she need a purpose in these movies. She had it. She always has it. What do you mean? Well, the thing... The, to mean, stop the end of the world. Like, well, but she... The, you, you haven't seen the movie, oh, so you, but she, <laughs> she... They stopped it. They they stopped the end of the world. Oh, okay. they Multiple saved, times. They saved the universe. Oh. But then, spoiler alert, in the beginning of the movie, they alien threed it, and jo uh, uh, John Connor dies. A, a different Terminator walks up and murks him. Oh. And okay. so, and that, yeah. And so, she has no purpose because they saved the universe and her fucking son died. Okay. So that's, that's number one. Can problem. I ask you a question since Go ahead. I didn't see it and we'll never see it. And it's already dead to me. Um, were you joking when you said that Arnold Schwarzenegger's a, Arnold Schwarzenegger's a drape salesman? No. So wait, they have a sequence before this the is a... only black guy in the movie gets shot. Oh, yeah. And, and he, he got too much. He came out and he was like, hey there, how's it going? Go, go, go. Oh, my God. I was like, what the hell? He gets out of the van and he's like, she's like, a pleasure to see you. And he's like, it's never a pleasure to see you. Here's your... E 
E, uh, uh, EMP, EMPK. and then and then just get shot. Yeah. But wait. Hey, yeah, pick that one through. What? <laughs> so he sells drapes. The reason why the reason why I brought this up. Hold on. The reason why I brought that sequence up is because two seconds before my uncle died, Arnold Schwarzenegger is like, so. There's a little girl in the room, and they put the butterfly in. That's in Gerard Depardieu. I love it. He's like, put the butterflies in the drape. That is Gerard Depardieu. <laughs> Whatever. He's like, put the butterflies in the drape. You cannot have solid color. That is Pepe like you. Okay, it's just this random moment where I get it. You're trying to make us laugh, but you can't do that when there's action sequence. Every 40 seconds. Kirk? I, oh, I can't get past the drapes. Let me summarize it. And I want to just quickly go through just why I didn't like this movie. Are you going to... Uh, we do have some other things that we need to get through. So we're not going to spend I got more, but ha- help me with the drapes, though. Okay. Yeah, so... <laughs> T3, the third Terminator movie. What they did with it... There's one good action sequence in it. What, but what they did with it was... The whole movie is just a fan service rehashing of the second movie. And they take everything from the second movie and they play it as a joke. So it's like in the second movie, in the beginning, when he appears in the time, he goes into a bar. Mm -hmm. He's naked. He finds a guy. He takes his clothes and his gun. Give your clothes, your boots, and your motorcycle. Uh, he, he, they, he fights these guys, kicks their ass, takes his clothes, take it, take it, um, and then he walks out, he takes the guy's bike, I'm not, I can't let you steal that guy's bike, son, and then he grabs the, sh- the shotgun out of his hand, he takes the sunglasses out of his pocket, puts them on, and rides off with fucking bad to the bone. So in the third one, they're like, okay, he goes into another bar, mm-hmm. and he's naked, but then it's actually, they're having like a gay pride get together in the bar so he does the same thing but when he walks out and puts the glasses on they're like <laughs> glittery star glasses and it's like oh isn't that hilarious it's like the first thing but like a joke version of it and the whole movie is that the bad the the, the villain is the, uh this this terminator who takes the form of a like a sexy supermodel girl mm-hmm. or woman and then like she gets pulled over by a cop and then when as the cop is walking up, she like makes her boobs get bigger. Oh, yeah. It's like it's like the whole thing is just like an absurd joke. Somehow this movie out like outdid that in terms of making a mockery of the Terminator. With there, they basically in the middle of the movie they find the Terminator. They find Arnold. They find the T eight hundred T one hundred one who killed John Connor. Mm-hmm. And after he killed him, he just, he, when his mission was over and he had no more purpose, he basically, on his own, realized the, the value of human life. And then he, like, met a woman with a, a young son and then just became, like, a surrogate father and husband to them. And they got married. And he's just been living his life for the past 30 years as Carl, and he has he has a drape business. No, he doesn't. And he's he, he has no drape. He's a Terminator. But he has become this regular guy who like wears cargo shorts and and has a cabin 
and lives lives in Texas and has a drape comp, drape sales company. In the book of that. And there is there is literally a scene where they're waiting for the guy to arrive to give him the EMP, and he's like, just it cuts in the middle of him talking, and he's like, so I had this one guy who he wanted to have a uh, he's, he was he was decorating his daughter's uh, room, but he wanted solid colored drapes, and I said, you can't do that. It has to be polka dots or butterflies or something. And then the guy, it's like they they turned the Terminator into this ridiculous joke about what if the Terminator fulfilled his mission, killed John Connor, had nothing left to do, and then just with that lack of purpose became a dad. All right, let, let me run off. And it's so ridiculous. Let me run off my list real quick. The timeline is weird. Okay, the timeline is weird. The the girl, the main character, you're not sure why she's the same age, however many years in the future when she adopts a, a kid. That's number one. The number the next thing is, uh, Arnold kills himself, and for what reason? Don't know. Uh, the next thing, why didn't the future just send two Terminators? The next thing, clearly there's a way to kill all of the Terminators if they just make a bunch of those life things that's in the uh, that's in the chick's body that comes to the past to save us. Well, in the future, why don't they just make a bunch of her and then just kill all? The next thing. There's a running theme with Mexico. Yeah, oh that's that's gosh. the biggest thing I want to talk about is... Mexico is pretty bad, according to these movies. Really? Well, well no. that, that, here's the thing. Oh. It's not supposed to be that way. This is, this is my thought, and this is what I talked with my friend Dave about for a long time. There was a version of this movie. I'm not saying I literally know this. I'm saying just I'm reading between the lines. There was a version of this movie where they were they were they were saying something about immigration and about um, the sort of racism that's going on in the country and how they they were saying something about ICE. There was they were delivering a commentary on the idea of the immigrants being chased by this force that's trying to destroy them and trying to make them leave and not and them sort of being a, a you know a, a, a having no country to call their own type thing and the movie because the movie has like 12 writers if you look if you look on the IMDB there are eight credited screenwriters or some I think it's eight this movie was rewritten over and over again to the point where that whole thing that they were trying to say was so whitewashed and so like sh- uh, shaped by a committee of executives that they, it's uh, the, the the commentary that they were trying to say was com- is completely unrecognizable and in absence of it, it accidentally says the opposite of what it was trying to say. This is what the movie said: No matter what, whenever you're crossing that border, we see you. That's what it says. But they were trying to... You can tell that there was a point in the existence of this script where it was trying to deliver some kind of social commentary about, like, our immigration laws. It was completely ripped out and, and, and transformed and whitewashed by just studio feedback and notes. Well, each sandwich needs two pieces of bread. Let's hear it. So my final compliment is that graphically, that was pretty cool. I liked it. I liked the movie. It was garbage, but I liked everybody's performance. I thought that that 
girl who came back from the future to the past and, and all that. She did a nice little job for being seven feet tall. I thought it was great. I thought it was cool. Yeah, I think it's cool for what it is. If you have like a Netflix date where you know what's going down, just put that on. You don't have to really watch it for attention. Lewis, <laughs> you're trying to get a Netflix date, you keep mentioning that. I'm not worried about That's that. I'm not worried about that. <laughs> I'm not worried about that. But, but <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a cool movie. It's like a cool little action movie. You don't really have to pay attention. You can glance and then. Oh, yeah. Just that Netflix date is over in 25 minutes. She's going to hit iron, I get it. I, uh, I, I, I did not like the movie at all. Um, Out of 10? I, I uh, well, I'll get. I, I, I thought that the the unintentional vestigial social commentary or flashes of it that were left in the script just came off as creepy and unsettling and were delivering some very weird mixed messages. I thought that after the first couple of action set pieces, they just went downhill and became more and more just kind of bloated, oversaturated, confusing messes that just were just like visual chaos washing over you that just didn't need to happen. In like um, 300 feet water, and two seconds later, they was at the top. The main, the they, they, the way that they characterized Sarah Connor's character was completely out of line with what her character has been firmly established as. Uh, the the main character was just so uninteresting and shitty, and that part where they flashed to the future of her becoming the savior was so ridiculous. It was like, in the future, you're going to become the savior of the world. You're gonna be the same age somehow and just have mm-hmm. cornrows. Mm-hmm. And somehow you're gonna go from a factory worker to the savior of humanity. Yeah. Um, I thought this that, is not Sarah Connor's character. No, it's like the main character. Uh, her name is Danny. And then the, the final the final third act, that whole da- uh, river dam action set piece, just cut that out of the movie. Yeah. Skip right to that from that to the skip right over that to the very actual ending in the factory. Mm-hmm. And the factory ending was fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Why do they keep fighting him if he's clearly not going to die? They're shooting him, they're beating him. Slow him and down. Like, slow him down for what? To get away. Let me leave. He didn't get away. He knew what it was like. Listen, if it was, if it was me, drop to the floor, yep. kick the shin, go for the dick. <laughs> oh, God. He could have said something for it. Three out, <laughs> three out of ten. Yeah. Three out of ten? Yeah. I mean, I thought it was a five out of ten. It was super trash, but it was very entertaining trash. I would give it that for what it is, but I'm giving it a few out of ten. Only because I didn't like the way um she said I'll be back. I was like, what? Oh yes. That's, yeah, she didn't yeah. Do that's not your line. She didn't yeah. do it justice. Yeah, she was oh, just like. Yeah, would it have been better if she like went into an Arnold voice? She's like, I'll be back. But like, I don't know, man. Higher. It just wasn't. No, it just wasn't, it wasn't crazy. It was yeah. fine. But also, that's not the greatest method. If you're already standing in front of them, just kick their knee inward. Mm. Well, I mean, you, yeah. Well, I mean, you'd have, you'd if I'm fighting somebody, I don't want to cripple. But if you're fighting, like, you want to, you want to end their. You would you want to grab his nuts? Yeah, that's their bloodline. Just break their leg instead. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, couple last couple stories before we before we end the episode. Um, uh, try to try to blow, blow through these a little bit because uh, we're going a little over. Um, yeah, this week was the week of musical reunions. It all happened. It all came to pass. Did Cats come out? Uh, what? Musical? Musical reunions. Uh, <laughs> My Chemical Romance announced a reunion tour. And no one cared. How? Peanut butter M&M's. Wow. Peanut butter M&M's. What does that even mean? I, Peanut butter M&M's. I get it, yes. I, you get a pass. You can't do no, That's fine. You yeah, get a pass. Yeah, you have to move on. But so yeah. many people care. That's fine. 
Yeah, you, you you didn't pass. You you didn't pass. So I get another one. Okay. Oh wait. Okay. I can't, so I can't comment. Uh, we Kirk and I have an off mic pact that he had one get out of jail free card, and I cannot. And I cannot. What is this? And you violate that embargo. And you blew it, so I get another one. Yeah. Same for next so does that mean we can't well, talk I, about Mike? We'll Mike talk Mike? about this. <laughs> so many people care about Mike. So many people. I, I, you're giving me more and more peanut and No, I'm, now that I've lost it, I might as well dig in. <laughs> but uh, Rage Against the Machine announced a reunion tour. Yeah. Reun- reuniting for a short tour in 2020. About um, it's crazy how over the last 20 years, Rage Against the Machine has become has went from the band that every 17-year-old loves to now it's just dads being like, yeah. Because they were 17-year-olds yeah. when they loved them. I mean, um, and like, System of a Down... Also announced a reunion tour. Theirs isn't as exciting because they've actually, uh, over the past two years, they've actually performed eight shows. So they, they but they, but it's still they haven't performed together in a while. Uh, three really big sort of old school reunions coming to pass. What was the start of this reunion tour? Like the Millennium Tour was that the first one that kind of started the domino effect? I feel like they don't know who, like Peach and Kay and all of them. I mean, this is always. This is always. I mean, this is all like. Yeah. Th- this is this is the tract of any band. Like, if you go to Laughlin, you're gonna see Ario Speedwagon playing at the. I'm really glad you the, said that because I'm gonna go see Ario. I Speedwagon. mean, they literally <laughs> call it a nostalgia tour. Yeah, I mean that's it's the what it's called. Yeah. Yeah. it's either nostalgia or sometimes they call it like a legends tour. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just it's just now it's now it's the stuff that you know that's yeah. doing the nostalgia. Right, right. But this yeah, this no, is just the cycle much, that every band goes through. Um. Uh, uh, the the Terry Bogard character DLC for Super Smash Brothers was released a couple days ago. Um, what, he is, what, do you mean? what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> Literally, what sure. does that mean? Who is uh, Terry Bogard? Super Smash Brothers uh, has been on a tear of releasing some crazy character DLC for the past year. Um, they've been they've been like breaking fucking boundaries in terms of like. The crazy ass characters they've gotten on this game, like um, Banjo Kazooie, which is Banjo Kazooie was a game that was developed by a company called Rare for the Nintendo 64, but notoriously uh, Microsoft purchased Rare and took all of the Rare properties away from Nintendo, and so Banjo Kazooie was this very definitively Nintendo character and Nintendo game that was very associated with them, and it was a huge sort of controversial thing that. Microsoft bought Rare, and then Banjo-Kazooie became a an Xbox property. Um, and it's been a decade at this point since that happened, um, or longer. And they were able to successfully make a deal with Microsoft and Rare to get Banjo-Kazooie into Super Smash Bros., which is a very big thing if, you know, if you're into video games. You went too fast for me. What is a DLC? Yeah, Downloadable content. Okay. Oh, okay. Video games nowadays, when you release a game, you're not done. You, you buy the game, you pay $60, and then you buy DLC, you buy expansions, like, like okay. add-ons to the story, or additional maps, or costumes. The game should be free. Or characters. Is that? Some of them are. I mean, there's free-to-play games. Like, like there's like For- Fortnite is like, it's free, but then yeah. you buy shit. Um, but they, but uh, they released this DLC, which is also another kind of big deal. Terry Bogard is a character from um, a, a series of fighting games, uh, that were uh, created by a, a video game company called SNK. Uh, they came out for a game system called the Neo Geo, 
Um, and he was uh, he was a character in uh, the Fatal Fury fighting game series and the King of Fighter fighting game series. Um, he's a pretty big uh, cult classic character for these fighting games. Um, there's a huge culture around fighting games, and uh, it was it was in the video game community. It was a big deal that Terry Bogard was going to be in Super Smash, and he and his his DLC released this past week. It sounds uh, like a lawyer's name. I was like, they put the creator in there. That's he's actually he's saying. actually like a trucker. Like he's yeah. like he's like a he's like a macho hillbilly trucker guy. Um, uh, it was just announced that um, the sequel to Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, uh, tentatively titled Spy- Into the Spider-Verse Two, that's not what it's going to be called, but it was announced that it's coming out in uh, in April of 2022. Uh, which that was that's old news, and I and that's. I didn't talk about that because it's not nostalgic, but it was just announced. It was just confirmed by one of the screenwriters for the movies, Bill Lord, um, that they are going to have Supida-Man in it. Um, Supida-Man is Japanese Spider-Man. Back in the 70s, Marvel and Toei Animation, which is a huge uh, animation company in Japan that's produced any of the biggest anime that you've ever heard of. Uh, they they had a deal. They created a deal where they would basically give each other free reign to use each other's characters. They signed a licensing deal saying you can use any Marvel character for anything you want. And we get a cut of the revenue or whatever. And we can use any character from your catalog. So they, they signed this deal in the 70s. And the only thing that came out of it, they ended up really not doing anything with the deal. But the one thing that came out of it was that Toei developed a live-action tokusatsu Spider-Man show. And um, it's it's like a very, like, famous, like, sort of notorious thing amongst comic fans and people that are fans of, like, Japanese tokusatsu shows and movies and things like that, that there's this Japanese version of Spider-Man with this insane premise. Is it not the first live-action uh, Spider-Man? No, there was a live there was a live action American Spider-Man show oh. that was before that. Um, but oh, it's, it's live action. But the character, yes, yeah, live action. It's, it's, the character is going to be in Into the Spider-Verse too, which is like really cool and really interesting news. This is the uh, this is the premise for Spider-Man or Japanese Spider-Man. Uh, the series follows young motorcycle racer Takuya uh, Yamashiro who witnesses a UFO falling to Earth. The UFO happens to be a space warship cheekily named the Marveler. And Takuya calls in his space archaeologist's father, Dr. Hiroshi Yamashiro, to investigate the downed craft. Sadly, Hiroshi is killed upon finding the spaceship, with the incident also attracting the attention of Professor Monster and his evil Iron Cross army, an alien group that plans to rule the universe. After follow- following his father to the Marveler, Takuya discovers Garia, the, lasting- the last surviving warrior of Planet Spider, an alien world that was destroyed by Professor Monster and his army. Garia explains that he was looking to find and defeat Professor Monster, but now needs someone to carry on the fight for him, and injects Takuya with some of his blood. Rather than killing Takuya, the blood gives him spider-like powers, and as if that wasn't enough, Garia also gives Takuya with a bracelet that can activate his costume, web shooters, and even controls the Marveler ship, which can of course transform into a giant battle robot called Leopardon. Takuya takes on the name Spider-Man and uses his new gifts as he battles Professor Monster and his Iron Cost army to save the world. So that was the premise of Spider-Man or Japanese Spider-Man and that character is going to be in Into the Spider-Verse 2. 
okay. which I was, which is very so so exciting. Uh, if you watch the trailer, like all of the all of the little Spider-Man similar symbols are Easter eggs. They're all. Did you raise your hand? They're no. all. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were like raising your hand to ask a question. No. Blade Runner is no longer set in the future. That's yeah. Uh, according to an opening title card at the beginning of Blade Runner, the movie is set in November of 2019. But I, is well, it always been there, or is this like a, a cut? That, that no, it's, so, that's always been what it is. So why, so why is this just a thing? Why did nobody figure it out? What? No, it's, no, it's just, it's just now that it's become November of 2019, people are talking oh, about Oh, okay, it. it's always been like everybody's... I thought oh, it's just somebody was hyper-focusing on it now, but I guess it is because it's... Yeah, so Blade, Blade Runner officially takes place in the past. There's something. There's something um, that was like that. If you remember a few years ago, it was, it was uh, Back to the Future. Back to the Future. Yeah, future. yeah Back to the Future Two took place in 2015. Mm, okay. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Where's our hoverboards and our Jaws 19? Yeah. Mm. Well, Jaws 19 is probably not far. And our self-driving driving jackets and our self-lacing shoes. You got the shoes. You got the shoes. Yeah. And our fucking. Yeah, where's our, where's our fucking... Our, our juice pitchers that stop pouring at the exact moment that the cup is spilled. They got that well, Burger King. Hold on, yeah, like, that's not, a, that's not, like, they, they put that, they made that a, th- a staple in all, uh, all, uh, behind the counter. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, so you, so, so, so you can just set it there and walk away. Exactly, yeah. yeah. That's cool. Uh, Toys R Us is reopening stores for Black Friday. Without context, that sounds super exciting, but the real story is not, uh, is... So, it just, it's so not as cool as what that, what that sounds like on its face. Tell me, what's the vibe? Uh, new Toys R Us stores may uh, open Thanks. in time for Black Friday. However, they'll be much smaller and largely be places for kids to play with toys and parents to order things online. Uh, the old <laughs> Toys R Us stores were 40,000 square foot behemoths with merchandise stacked on endless rows of metal shelves. The new stores are about 6,500 square feet with interactive space with, where kids and parents can play with toys. So they're going to be just like these little tiny boutique showrooms <laughs> where you go in and you go like, oh, uh, Hatchables. And then you order it on a computer. Swiping on so you can't buy anything there. No. So you're going to take your kid there who's going to want this thing and be like, can right. I have this? Can I have this? Drama and... Oh, this is so dumb. Toys R Us is... to come use the internet right here. Toys R Us is partnering with a retail <laughs> service startup, Beta to create hands-on, engaging experiences for kids and their parents rather than just having an entire store filled with toys to purchase. I, I, I just think this is going to replace sending a letter to Santa. You're going to take, you're going to take your kid to a Toys R Us. They're going to, you're going to show, this is Santa's list of toys. Listen, don't, don't talk about Santa. I'm not, I'm not, get, like, I'm not trying get, to get onto get, a deep, I'm Get not that trying, name out of your mouth. I'm not trying to get onto a deeper thing, but this is, I, I feel like this is what it's going to be. They're yeah. just going to like, this is, these are Santa's toys, and then you get to pick one, and then you're personally sending your list to Santa. And that's how it's going to be placed. And it, it's the perfect timing, like right after, right when Black Friday is, like you're going to have all kinds of people just rushing in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's kind of a cool idea, but at the same time, I feel like they're, for, for everything good about it, there's everything kind of bad about it. Like you can, you if it's done properly, this could actually be a cool thing. If done properly. Like it, you know how... If you go to the mall, you like stand in line, take a picture with Santa. Mm-hmm. It, it could kind of be that situation where the kids go and they're like, yeah, "Oh, a, this is a cool." It's thing. like a, it's like, a pop up for kids. Yeah, yeah, and then and then the parents get in like, "Oh well, if you're good, Santa can get it for you." Like there there could it could possibly be something good. All I know is I have a lot of Jeffrey dollars I need to spend. Yeah, do you? Probably, probably later on something. You should have got the. Um, uh, 
But ultimately, we fuck Toys it. R Us. KB Toys, motherfuckers. Wait, why? That was the that was the spot. KB Toys. Yeah. But it's KB. Do you toys. agree with him? It's a, it's a smaller toaster. You don't like Toys R Us. Todd knows. Smaller toaster. Todd why? knows. Why? Why? Why do you like KB Toys? It was just a bit. It was just better. Better. I ain't good to none of them toy stores. I was like, oh, you look. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I, Shut up. <laughs> I didn't. I wasn't a Toys R Us kid. I'll tell you that much right now. It's still appreciation episode. Bozo the Clown passed away. Oh, wow. Longtime TV personality and children's entertainer Frank, uh, Frank Avruch, best known for playing Bozo the Clown, is dead at age 89. Oh, yeah. WCVB-TV reports Average died Tuesday at his home in Boston from heart disease. He is survived by his wife, Betty, two sons, and several grandchildren. Average portrayed Bozo the Clown from 1959 to 1970 and was the first to play the nationally syndicated version of the character in the 60s. The Clown character, also played by Bob Bell, Larry Harmon, and Joey uh, Daria, uh, grew in popularity during Average's run thanks to widespread franchising and television. I, I watched Bozo the Clown when I was a kid. I think I'm probably, just based on this timeline, I probably watched the Larry Harmon version, uh, which I think was like the one that was from like the late 80s, early 90s. So I don't really know this version of the Bozo the Clown, uh, but I have seen old videos of it. Can you help me out real quick? I know the name. I know it in popular culture, but did he have a TV show? or? Yeah, it was, it? well, it was started out as like live shows. Um, that they would just do, like, regionally. Like, they would have, like, the Bozo the Clown show, and you paid tickets, and you'd go see a show. Um, and actually, my my wife's um, uh, grandma was a, was a um, professional figure skater uh, back in the 50s, and she uh, skated on Bozo, on Bozo the Clown. And then it became a TV show at sort of the dawn of television, and it was a regional thing where, like, in different regions, there would be, like, that towns or that state's bozo that would be syndicate or that would be aired on on that local television network mm -hmm. and then in the 80s they syndicated it and, be, and it became a national television show okay but before they did that it, it actually was international like the character of bozo. there's a french bozo there's a german bozo uh we got a great video on on nostalgia on facebook got it. Mm. okay well recipe yeah. bozo recipe. and last but certainly not least, 10 stories high, 65th birthday of Godzilla. Happy birthday to Godzilla. You don't care about Godzilla? Happy birthday! The, face, though, the, original, the original film, Godzilla or Gojira, as it was originally titled, premiered 65 years ago in 1954. Whether you're a fan of the Showa, Haisai, or Millennium Eras, be sure to celebrate the giant Kaiju 65. By watching a couple Godzilla movies, I would highly recommend Godzilla vs. Mothra, Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah, Godzilla vs. Destroya. Godzilla 2000 is actually an underrated gym. That's from the Millennium Era, which a lot of people think is the worst because I mean, it's the newest. I actually really liked Godzilla 2000. Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla. But basically, you didn't mention the one with um, those in New York. Oh yeah, fuck, fuck the fuck that movie. Which one? Damn, it was um. That's right. There's a Brian Jackson one. Jack Black. Jack Black. No, 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 that's no, King no, Kong. No, not Jack Black. No, you're talking about you're talking about Godzilla with Matthew Broderick. I think so. Fuck that movie. Wait. <laughs> that's not that's not the real Godzilla. That's, I know. Yeah, that's the Diddy song. Come with me. 
think so, yeah. I like Cisco. It, that's the one I feel yeah. I like it. Yeah. That makes it good. That movie is so bad and maligned that they they came out with uh, oh and destroy all monsters. You gotta fucking watch destroy all monsters. Uh, but they they in the um, in the like mid two thousands, Toho, uh, which is the production company that makes the Godzilla movies, they came out with this sort of like spiritual successor to destroy all monsters um, that had just a bunch of different um, tokusatsu kaiju characters fighting, and they had this little like sort of like joking part of it where there the, the the Godzilla from that nineteen ninety eight Matthew Broderick movie was in it. Uh, but there was this whole scene where they were like, Who is that? And then somebody's like, Oh, that's that's uh that's this monster named Zilla. Uh the, the stupid Americans thought that was Godzilla, but it's not. And then and then they just Damn. and then they and then Godzilla just killed him. Yeah something doesn't resonate with me with Godzilla but I'm not for sure I haven't heard it. <laughs> I love that song. Uh, Alright, well, <laughs> well uh, that that, that's the show. Thanks yeah. for listening. If you like this episode and you have not yet done so, please subscribe. Uh, please give us a five-star review if you think it deserves it. Uh, give us a little blurb, something you liked about the show. Uh, if you have a friend you think might like the show, share it with them. Uh, if you want to keep up to date with everything that we're doing, you can uh, join us on our Facebook page, Nostalgia, the official Nostalgia Facebook page, uh, at Nostalgia on Instagram. Um, uh, you can join our Facebook group, Nostalgia, if you search in groups. Uh, you can keep up to date with all of the podcast news and other content that we create. Um, if you have any questions or comments about the show, feel free to email us at nostalgiacastpod at gmail.com, and we might read your email on the air. Uh, if you uh, really like the show and you'd like to support us in ways other than just being a fan and giving reviews and listening, uh, if you want to give us some support in a more financial frame, uh, you can become a fan for four ninety nine a month. You go to the Nostalgia Facebook page and you click the little Become a Fan button. You can you can uh, support us by paying four ninety nine a month, and we will be delivering bonus content that is not available to anybody else but you all right and if you enjoy our perspective and our points of view and you want to enjoy a little more of that and you have instagram or twitter some of us have our handles we're going to shout out right now my name is uh tyler i'm at time lord tyler on instagram and twitter feel free to follow me that was such a performance oh yeah i'm not gonna you. you're the host i was i was just like i was okay. just trying to remind you but then i was like i'll take the rest. you were like you were like in your head for several minutes Absolutely. being like how am i gonna say i this? was like trying to phrase it the right way because i was like i'm gonna say something real dumb and it's not gonna sound good i thought you did it was very professional uh yeah you can follow me at kj sir slur for if you want okay i'm kind of inappropriate so i'm not gonna say more. yeah 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 oh i mean i'm not inappropriate i'm definitely inappropriate yeah, Tyler, right. Tyler's getting canceled right. tomorrow. Right. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Robots and Comedy. Robots, the letter N, comedy. Don't follow me. Do not follow me on Twitter. Don't follow me. Follow me. Everything is all right. I'll be the one to tuck you in at night. And if you want to leave, I can guarantee you will find nobody else like you. Thanks for listening.